1: Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Bill Eve podcast here on the Buffalo Rumblings family of podcasts. We are so happy you have taken the time wherever and however you are listening to check out our thoughts here on Bill Eve. I am John Boccasino. He is Jamie D'Amico. We are talking Buffalo Bills football week four, squish the fish round one. Jamie, for this pivotal matchup, it's great to have you back with us.
2: You know what? I wouldn't miss this one for the world. Holy cow.
1: Dude, I'm telling you. this is And and honestly, for our Bills fans here, look, we normally give you some thoughts on last week's game. Nah, screw that. This is all about the Dolphins. I have been looking forward to this game. You've been looking forward to this game. So why beat around the bush by talking about the beatdown that the Bills gave to the Commanders last week? (laughs) Well,
2: I was there. I had a great damn time doing it. And uh, yeah, my voice is just now recovering. I don't get too many games, John. I got to make my presence known.
1: And I heard you made your presence known with authority. In fact, Terrell Bernard cited one Ginger Jamie D'Amico was the inspiration for his AFC defensive player of the week performance.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was talking about me.
1: <laughs> it, it was nice, Jamie, for you to get a win. Uh, I know the conditions were less than desirable, but you know, to go out there and see Buffalo put the beat down, lay in several haymakers against Washington was impressive. This is really the Terrell Bernard game. And hope, what did you think of him in person? What was his performance like watching him play? At, uh, at the stadium
2: he moves really well i mean that that was one of the things that i noted in in zone coverage he communicated really well and I have to say i i was assisted a little bit by watching some uh some breakdown by the uh, cover one video and it, it was it was really interesting to see just how athletic he was on the field because when he had that uh, that interception that boy got off the ground. I, I mean, in the angle that I had, it was almost like I was looking right at him. And he just he skied and picked that ball right out of the air. Great hands. The dude is always around the football. He has instincts. He's a lot better than I thought he was going to be.
1: Yeah, I really feel like Jamie, that was the, the biggest thing to me that I took away was, you know, the Terrell Bernard experiment is going really well. And I, I loved the fact that he does have a nose for the football. Uh, he has great closing speed that I think we kind of took for granted. Um, he's able to hold his own in coverage. Uh, he's patient at working his way through the blocks when it comes to run stuffing. And yet again, that highlight reel interception that he made this kid has hustle heart and athleticism. And at this stage of the season, at this stage of their contracts, give me Terrell Bernard with what he's making versus the multi-million dollar contract that uh, Tremaine Edmonds is getting to lead a porous Chicago Bears defense. I think the Bills' decision to uh, let Edmonds walk when viewed through the first three games of the year, this has been a smart decision for the Bills' brass.
2: Seems like they might have known what they were doing there, or hey, maybe they fell ass backwards into it, but the only concern I have right now is when seeing him in person, he looks small out on the field.
1: But maybe that will help, uh, you know, because again, he's so quick. You know, he's so fast out there that and the name of the game for Sunday is speed. When you look at what the Miami Dolphins, you know, bring with their historic offense so far, the pace that they're on. I mean, honestly, it might not be a bad yeah. way to go having speedy backers out there, you know, like Bernard and and Jamie. I want to say this too: the stat line that Bernard put together, two sacks, an interception in the first quarter, adding a fumble recovery later in the game. He was just the ninth player since 1960 to post that type of stat line. That's a historic performance and hopefully an indicator of what the bills have with this youngster.
2: Let's hope he keeps, uh, keeps moving on the rise, stays injury free, stays strong, keeps, uh, keeps up with that performance. Cause Lord knows, looks like the bills are going to need some high end performances against this offense. They're facing this weekend.
1: Now let's yeah, this is a good pivot point here on believe as we are breaking down week four. the Buffalo Bills at two and one the Miami Dolphins at three and oh, Jamie, I don't know about you, but the first thought I saw when the score ticker came across and it showed Miami Dolphins was 70 points. I thought that was a typo. I'm like, <laughs> right. there is no way like there's no way a professional defense in the National Football League is going to surrender 70 Points And the Denver Broncos are supposed to be a decent defense. They're not supposed to be this ragtag bunch that gets lit up by Tua and the Dolphins. And then you go through and see, holy cow, they dropped 10 touchdowns on Denver. They ran it. Now, granted, in the fourth quarter, especially the Broncos defense just wasn't caring. They didn't put any effort out there. They weren't. They had no pride. They were letting the Dolphins run wild over them. What do you make of Miami's offense so far, which is really on a historic pace? Just how good is this unit? This
2: This is a unit that's coming together and looking very reminiscent of the greatest show on turf. You remember those uh, turn-of-the-century Rams teams, do you?
1: Of course. Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, Kurt Warner.
2: Yeah. Well... That seems to me what's going on here. They sort of use that as a template, but they've taken the Shanahan offense and really have taken it up a couple notches. They are using their speed in a way that few other teams can because few other teams have what they've got. They've made a a very concerted effort to be one of the fastest offenses in the leagues, and you see what's happening right now. Dan Orlovsky has been talking about it he's saying that what one of the things that makes them so difficult to contend with is the fact that when you are that fast, your safeties need to play a little bit deeper. And then when you combine the fact that they do all kinds of misdirection to hold your linebackers, now you have, as he put it, an accordion effect. And you are pulling the accordion apart because the linebackers are standing still, the safeties are trying to get deeper than they normally do because they're worried about getting deep. And now that second level is wide open. You've got a, about a 20-yard zone to work with, and they're finding a way of getting their receivers in there. Plus, they're really adept at getting Tyreek Hill a running start before he gets on his routes, something that you saw Andy Reid do with him in in uh, Kansas City. That's a lot to contend with. And now when you look at the Buffalo Bills – what are they going to do? I don't think they have the secondary that can run with these guys. How are you going to defend it?
1: It's a quandary. It is. It's definitely a quandary. It's interesting, Jamie, too, that, and hopefully, I mean, as we're recording this here on a Thursday for the Sunday game, I'm hoping the injury news gets a little better because the Bills had a couple members of their secondary that sat out practice on on Wednesday. Uh, Micah Hyde with a hammy. Jordan Poyer with a sore knee both sat out practice. Cornerback Saran Neal had an ankle injury, he sat out Wednesday. And Taryn Johnson, who Tua Tungavailoa pegged as really the, the key catalyst on Buffalo's defense, uh, he was also out, uh, he was limited rather with a hip injury in practice. So the Bills need to be fully healthy for this showdown. And you're mm-hmm. right, Jamie, it's a unique set of circumstances that Miami's offense brings to the equation i want to float something out there to you that i think the bills would be remiss to not consider when it comes to a game plan for slowing down mike mcdaniel's revolutionary in the words of sean mcdermott offense you mentioned tyreek hill and the unique challenge that his speed and range as a receiver you know presents for opposing defenses and keep in mind that last week when Miami hung a 70-burger on Denver, they were doing it without Jalen Waddle. I mean, that's mm-hmm. scary that they put up that much offense while Waddle was sidelined. I'm thinking, and he's been a healthy scratch the first three weeks of the season, I almost wonder if we're going to see Kyrie Elam play a larger role mm-hmm. on this game on Sunday because the physicality that Elam brings to this defense he is someone who actually has had a modicum of success when slowing down tyreek hill i want to read you the performances last year that elam did against hill in week three in south beach in that stifling heat two catches for 33 yards in week 16 in the blizzard in the snow and orchard park nine catches for 69 yards and a touchdown now the nine catches part is not great but the limiting him to seven yards a catch is huge because the biggest way he'll beats you, like you mentioned earlier, is finding a seam in the secondary and getting a massive play downfield with yards after the catch. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on Kair Elam? I know Christian Benford has been phenomenal so far, but do you agree with my assessment that Elam should play a larger role?
2: I think that you're making a, a great point when, when you bring that up. And let me give you some, uh, some stats from our crack research team here at Believe. Tyreek Hill ran at the scouting combine a uh, 4.2940. And I, I realize that 40 time isn't everything when it comes to speed, but that's just what we're going to use in this, in this moment. Kyrie Elam ran the fastest 40 time of any player in the Bills secondary at 439 It seems to make sense because let let me just throw a bunch of numbers at you here. I'm going to give you the Miami numbers first. Tyreek Hill, I just gave you his 40 time. Jalen Waddell, 4.3. Raheem Mostert, 4.3. Devon Arshane, 4.3. Braxton Berrios, 4.44. A lot of numbers, I I realize. But let me throw you a bunch of numbers from the, uh, the Bills side. Trey White. 4.47, Taron Johnson, 4.5, Benford, 4.53, Poyer, 4.54, Micah Hyde, 4.56, and oh, by the way, those safeties are in their 30s. They're slower than that now. Trey White's coming off of a knee injury, probably not anywhere near that anymore. If you can put somebody on the field who is not as fast but has some athleticism, I think you get that person out there and you hope that he can run a little bit.
1: Good. So we're in agreement that Kair Elam needs to see significant snaps on Sunday, especially when you factor in, it hasn't officially happened yet, but Waddle did log his first full practice session since suffering that head injury versus the Patriots. And while he hasn't cleared the league's concussion protocol yet, he could do so as early as today. So I would feel pretty optimistic if I was a Dolphins fan that Waddle is going to be out there and with those 40-yard times with the speed, the blistering speed that the Dolphins receivers and offensive skill makers have, it's going to be a tall test for Sean McDermott to dial up a good defensive game plan. You're not going to stop Miami's offense, but you got to find a way to neutralize them. And where I think the advantage comes in for Buffalo is with their defensive line against the Dolphins' offensive line. So far, the Bills rank it's either second or third in the league in generating quarterback hits and pressures on the quarterback. Ed Oliver has been phenomenal. Greg Russo and Leonard Floyd have been revelations at the edge rushers here on this defensive line. The Bills need to make Tua make split second decisions by getting on his ass as quickly as possible because the longer. Tua's got time to look through the defense. I know it's a common sense thing to say, but the longer he can look to dissect where the openings are, the better the throws and the longer the receptions are going to be for Miami's playmakers. So the Bills have to build upon the phenomenal effort. They had nine stacks and 15 hurries of Sam Howell. Now, the Dolphins' offensive line is better than Washington's, but it's not that much better. I'm not intimidated by the Dolphins' O-line, I got to see, Jamie, the Bills, and the Bills have done it too, by the way, generating pressure just with the front four. That's another key factor. If the Bills start sending blitzes, which thankfully they have not been prone to do so this year, but if they do, that leaves more mismatches on the middle of the field. It's up to the front four to really win the day in getting after Tua.
2: Now that's assuming that Tua is going to hold the ball long enough to get to him. He has the fastest Unload time in football right now with 2.21 seconds average time to throw through three games. So not only is he getting the ball to his receivers, he's getting the ball out of his hands so quickly that the pass rush doesn't have time to get to him. That's a that's a tall task. I'm wondering. A, yeah. Good.
1: No, 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 no. It, it, it's a tall task, and and this isn't even touching on the fact that. Oh, by the way, the Dolphins have two tremendous running backs as well in Mostert and a chain, like you mentioned earlier. I mean, this is really like I almost wonder, like, how do you pick your poison when trying to go up against this Dolphins offense that, again, Sean McDermott said has been revolutionary with the way that they're stretching the field. Mike McDaniel, you know, give him credit for what he's done to really capitalize and and, and change the way that football is played i mean the dolphins are averaging 43.3 points a game now i know that's skewed (laughs) by the 70 they hung up there against denver but dude 43.3 points a game is absurd the bills are second and they're trailing miami by 13 full points a game
2: yeah i mean if you take that game out of it uh the the 70 burger through the first two they put up like 28 points a game so I mean, I mean they they put up 36 in a wild game against against the Chargers and then 24 against the Patriots. So you know they're they're not blowing every team out of the water by scoring you know 48, 50 points a game. Uh, they they are falling within the margin of points that I'm comfortable the Buffalo Bills can score. Now going back to last week, the nine sacks. I would say of the nine sacks, seven of them were on Sam Howell for not getting rid of the ball and spazzing out in the pocket <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, but now the um, I, I will say that the Bills are spending a lot of time in every team's backfield, uh, which they're looking good. And Leonard Floyd has been a revelation this year. He has made everyone look better on that team. So with Tua putting or getting the ball out of his hand so quickly is the move to hold hold back a little bit and try to get your hands into the passing lanes is is the move to try to knock the ball down when he's back there throwing how how tall is to he's he's not particularly tall is he
1: he's six one. yep to a six foot one um so yeah or, yeah six one two twenty seven. 227 and remember he practiced Jiu-Jitsu in the off season to learn how to handle and fall properly after getting pressured. Let's make him learn how to put those jujitsu moves into practice by generating hell on earth pressure with the front four. I want to say, Jamie, I know you mentioned seven of the nine sacks being on Sam Howell. Mm-hmm. And I agree that he put himself in precarious positions and held onto the ball too long, but this defensive line, Jamie, this is the depth we've been longing yes. to see from this unit. I mean, you're talking about Ed Oliver, has been one of the Bills' best, most dominant players mm-hmm. through the first three games. He has been a wrecking ball. There was a play, and Cover One did a great job of scooping and showing it on X, where Ed Oliver broke through two offensive linemen trying to come at him by basically going underneath them, scooping through them, and then making a great tackle on Brian Robinson, the talented commander's running back. I mean, he has been incredibly impressive. Don't sell short to Quan Jones, what he's Mm -hmm. been able to do so far. AJ Epinesa had four pressures, the pick six and the big sack. You know, this is a unit, Jamie, where that's how you slow down to the best of your ability, I think, the Dolphins and Tua. Wave after wave of relentless pressure and just making him make those split-second throws. I know he's only holding onto the ball for 2.2 seconds, which is minuscule the amount of time he's holding it. But if the Bills do that type of pressure they showed against Washington versus Miami, they've got more than a puncher's chance in this battle.
2: I agree. And the Buffalo Bills on defense are doing something different this year. People were wondering, how is this defense going to look different than the defense under Leslie Frazier? And to your point, when it comes to getting pressure, we're seeing something from the Bills this year that we have not seen much of previously, which is them consistently blitzing two men simultaneously and getting a six-man rush how do you combat a quarterback who's getting the ball out of his hands quickly you get pressure right up the middle and make him move his feet i think we're going to see some of that but here's the downside of doing that you force your dbs into man coverage now you're playing with fire right
1: It could be problematic, but I want to say, and Jamie, I appreciate the breakdown there. I do want to add a new term that I just learned about again through Cover One and through Buffalo News. They had a great article about this. It's called simulated pressure, and that's really the term that the Bills did. They did two types of pressure, and I'm going to give credit where credit's due. Like I said, Cover One, Chris Seth has this phenomenal article out there. It's talking about simulated pressure and creeper pressure, and the Bills did both of these in spades, in the week three win and simulated pressure is all about the pre-snap movement where it looks like a blitz is coming a linebacker or two creeping up. They might be looking like they're going to bring a blitz from the outside or up the middle through the a gap, but instead it just leads to a front four pass rush. One of them mo- normally is a non-defensive lineman and you have one of your DLs dropping back into coverage. That's so basically like a zone
2: rush. blitz sort of concept, right?
1: It is. Yeah, exactly. It's a zone blitz type setup, but the key is you drop back one of your defensive linemen who you think might be pressuring into coverage. And then you bring a safety or a linebacker or one of your corners uh, as one of the fourth pass rushers. And it had a lot of success in confusing Sam Howell. Then there's what's called the creeper pressure, which again, pre-snap looks more like a standard defensive alignment, but once the ball is snapped, Three of the defensive linemen, again, go after the quarterback. One sits back into coverage, and another fourth pass rusher comes from an atypical location. It's the same as the simulated pressure, but it doesn't include that pre-snap blitz look. This, to me, was a complex wrinkle that McDermott brought to the Washington game plan that I think you're going to have to see a lot more of when it comes to containing these talented playmakers for the Dolphins offense. Now, I know that Mike McDaniel studies a lot of tape and he's going to be prepared for this. But what I love about the simulated versus the creeper is you can roll both of those out and not know where the pressure is coming from or what the look is going to be once the ball is snapped. So
2: speaking of which, and like you said, these are types of zone pressures. Did you know that the zone blitz was invented by Dick LeBeau in order to contain the Kagon offense?
1: I I read that somewhere on the hellscape known as X, but I forget where I saw it.
2: Uh. (laughs) Yeah, back in 1992, I think it was. And and I recall watching it. It was Monday night football. The Steelers just thumped the Bills. Bills couldn't get anything going on offense because they couldn't figure out where the pressure was coming from. Now, we know it's a copycat league. And fast forward to, I don't know, a year or two later, I remember the first time I actually paid attention to Buffalo performing a zone blitz. There was a dump off to a running back who was running a circle route. He's about five yards downfield in the middle of the field. And all of a sudden, I see this running back go flying backwards like four yards after the defender hit him. I was like, oh, my God, who lit him up like that? It was Bruce Smith. (laughs) who had dropped like (laughs) five, six yards into coverage. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, why are you dropping your best pass rusher into coverage? And then I realized, oh, because you can light up a running back like that who's running a route.
1: (laughs) Yeah, dude, that's really, it's a good observation. I'm glad you gave a credit to Dick LeBeau. And I feel like McDermott has really taken a lot and adjusted uh, with this defense because you've seen, this is where the athleticism of A.J. Epinesa really comes in handy the guy can hold his own both as a pass rusher and dropping back into coverage the bills have a ton of these hybrid defensive players who are making life miserable and i want to go to one more point on the defense and again we talk about the bill's success getting after the quarterback without going away from four blitzers The Bills have the lowest blitz percentage in the league, but the highest sack percentage. That is a dangerous combination for the Bills and a scary proposition for teams moving forward. Do you think
2: that number is skewed by the nine sack performance against uh, the commies and Sam Howell?
1: I mean, I do and I don't. I feel like even though the Bills came in with only three sacks to their name during the first two weeks of the season, they were getting after the quarterback. They just weren't finishing the sacks. And they weren't coming down with the the quarterback uh, in the backfield. So I felt like it was only a matter of time. And yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, nine sacks will skew any performance, just like 10 touchdowns will skew how potent an offense can be. But the signals were there. The signs were there that this Bill's defense was going to be dominant.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's true. However, gosh, I I feel like such a negative Nancy today. Um, (laughs) Just today. today.
1: Yeah. Sorry, buddy. Had to say it.
2: (laughs) I was right there with you. And, uh, you know, I I can't disagree on any level. Um, But there's something that's been worrying me about this year's defense is that they have been giving up chunk plays at a higher rate than what I'm comfortable with. And I think part of that, to me, is... I think what you're seeing is Terrell Bernard getting swallowed up by blocks on occasion. And the secondary looks particularly slow to me this year. Now that may just be my perception, but when you go all the way back to the scouting combine as I did and the five skill players that I mentioned from Miami having an average 40 time of 4.33 seconds and the bills having an average average 40 time of 4.52 seconds you add age to that you add the fact that we're seeing chunk plays i'm concerned about this what is sean mcdermott doing to prevent those large plays the big chunk plays from happening and it seems to be happening when offensive players are running away from the defense.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's definitely a concern, Jamie. I mean, the speed, the age of Buffalo's secondary is definitely a concern, and that's why the Bills are going to have to, again, get creative with their pass rushing and their pressure and make life miserable for Tua. I think it can be done. I definitely think it can be mm-hmm. done. You're going to have a fired-up crowd. It's going to be 77 degrees and sunny the entire Ooh. day. That stadium is going to be a lit environment. Can't wait to be there Uh, cheering on Bills Mafia as the Dolphins come to town for the first of two matchups as the Bills look to squish the fish uh, in week four and get a pivotal win.
3: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team.
1: Now, Jamie, we have to change gears and and talk about the offense because I know you mentioned earlier um, that you feel the Bills are going to score points and score. they're going to need to score a lot of points to win this game against Miami. Give me your key breakdown of what Buffalo needs to do on offense to take advantage of the Dolphins on defense.
2: Okay, well, I'm so glad you asked that question. (laughs) Um, The Bills have to control the line of scrimmage. They have had a very balanced offensive approach through the first 3 weeks of the season and I think that's what they're going to have to do. One of one of the reasons is you need to play defense through the offense. Do not give Miami extra possessions because they have the ability to score. I'm looking for someone other than Stefan Diggs to make their mark on this game. Keep James cooking. Ha, see what I did there? <laughs> I think I got that one from you at some point. Anyway,
1: not uh, that my fantasy football team is known as let James cook or anything like that. No way. Is it really? It is. Yep. Uh, I'm a big fan of that.
2: How about that? (laughs) A nod to our Canadian And he's been cooking
1: like a madman. I mean, that's one of the things where, uh, not to finish your uh, sandwich, I mean, your sentence here, of what you were going to try to put onto the the podcast (laughs) here, but I feel like the diversity of Buffalo's offense. I mean, we've seen James cook. Tremendously through the first three weeks of the season, we've seen Josh Allen take what's in front of him and still make unbelievable throws. I mean, that throw to Stefan Diggs that he oh. caught where both him and Davis were in the same area, which is a problem that they're both in the same area, but the throw to Diggs was chef's kiss, a beautiful, magnificent. This is where, Josh, you're right. Josh cannot turn the ball over and give Miami a short field. The Bills need to score and score at will and be careful protecting the ball. It's not that complicated.
2: It, it, it's really not. And I, I would like to give a shout. And I cannot remember who wrote it, but somebody on X put a end zone angle uh, view of that play in slow motion of him hitting Stefan Diggs in stride. And it said, this is why your trash quarterback is not going to turn into Josh Allen. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, the other thing I want to see them do a lot more of play action with James cook running the ball exceedingly well, as he has been play into that, get under center, Play-action pass, it allows guys like Gabe Davis to get downfield. It holds the linebackers, and it gives you an opportunity to get those guys, especially the tight ends, get those guys the ball downfield a little bit. Now, I do want to point out that the Dolphins, they've got talent on that defense. And you know who's playing particularly well right now? It's their middle linebacker, Jerome Baker. Good player. But they also have good players on the defensive line. Christian Wilkins, Raquan Davis, Zach Seiler, hugely underrated. And you've got edge rusher Bradley Chubb. These guys are good. Zavian Howard, excellent key, uh, corner. He's going to be matched up against Stephon Diggs. So it's got to be the other players that are getting into it. And you can hold that defensive line, that pass rush. You can hold them by making them think run and then change gears and say, oh no, this is actually a pass. That's what's going to win the game for the Buffalo Bills this week.
1: I'm glad you brought up the defensive line for Miami because this is going to be the third straight stiff test and big challenge for Buffalo's offensive line. And so far, so good for the guys in the Mm -hmm. trenches. I mean, only one total hit against Josh Allen, no sacks last week against the commies. Dion Dawkins, Spencer Brown, Osiris Torrance gave up two pressures while Mitch Morris and Connor McGovern didn't give up a single quarterback pressure. The offensive line did a phenomenal job for the second week in a row. That is going to be key because as long as Christian Wilkins and Bradley Chubb and the rest of the talented edge rushers and pass rushers for Miami are not teeing off on Josh Allen, I have full confidence that Josh will be able to dissect Miami's defense Take what's there. And he still needs to do. I said this on the solo pod last week and we saw it come to fruition. The bills through the first two weeks of the season were in the bottom third of the league in explosive plays, Mm -hmm. plays of 20 yards or more. And a lot of that comes to the ineptitude of week one with Josh Allen failing to connect on a lot of his hero ball throws. Last week against the commies, they had six of those explosive plays. They had four early in the third quarter. So Josh Allen, just because we want him to be smart with the ball, doesn't mean you want him to not take the home run throw when it's there. It's just not forcing the home run throw when you've got Diggs or Davis or Hardy or Sherfield or Kincaid or Knox or somebody <laughs> running free over the middle of the field. That's going to be the key, the balance offense and still getting those deep ball connections. I think Josh is going to have a great, and, and here's the thing too, the Bills three headed running back committee. Oh my God, Jamie, this has played out so well. The balance because Cook has been phenomenal. His cutback runs are smooth and effortless. And then you got the Bills with Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. This is truly a balanced offense for the first time in a while. And I think it's going to give Miami trouble.
2: It is. Now, I I do want to go back to two weeks ago against the Vegas Raiders. Still feels weird to say. (laughs) In in that, I believe Josh Allen only threw the ball farther than 10 yards downfield five times in that game. I was proud of him. He was surgical that game. He took what the defense was giving him. He wasn't pressing like he was in week one. It was a great antidote to the sugar high Josh Allen that we saw in week one. Take what the defense gives you all day long. Now, yes, they took shots downfield against the commies, but it's only because it was there. It's because it was there. Don't try to make the big play happen. Play within yourself, Joshy boy. Take it if it's there. Don't go after it if it's not. Keep the offense on schedule and not get behind the sticks because that was the big problem against the Jets. They had so many second and long plays. You're really putting yourself behind the eight ball at that point. And then you almost have to throw.
1: Definitely don't get behind the sticks. Definitely don't get in the long second and third and long scenarios. Although against the commies for a lot of the first quarter and much of the first half, it did feel like it started off being second and eight, second and nine, third and nine. And Josh kept converting those third downs by doing exactly what you said staying calm in the pocket and finding the open receiver. With the offensive line proving to be as competent as they have been so far and really looking like a top 10 unit in the league with how they've been keeping Josh clean and opening up those holes for the running game, there's going to be plays to be Mm -hmm. had and plays to be made out there on Sunday. And I really like Buffalo's offense. I feel like this is going to be an old Western shootout at the corral (laughs) known as Highmark stadium.
2: Uh, Not to be confused with um, Highmark Gulch that, uh, (laughs) that drugged out people
1: covered in feces happen to fall into. Oh God. (laughs) From the home opener when that fan Yeah, that's stupidity at its finest right there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I have
2: no problem with people's recreational drug use, and I uh, have no problem with falling into ditches. God knows I've fallen my share of times. It's the covered in feces that bothers me.
1: (laughs) If you really want to investigate this further, there's a video posted on X showing the fan... And, uh, the uh, and the circumstances and the porta potty where said feces happened to land on him, uh, he got himself in hot shit, if you will. <laughs> and uh, the rest was—I uh, mean, it made for typical mock headlines for people to make fun of Bills Mafia for being a bunch of party animals. Um, we are not all that crazy, drugged up, drunken Bills fan trying to get close to the new stadium. Yeah,
2: and we—and we, when we are all labeled like that, well, it just stinks.
1: <laughs> ah i see what you did there <laughs> well jamie let's uh let's let's put this shit in the rear view mirror if you will and uh and we, we've kind of given you our thoughts of, of the offense and the defense and you know there's a lot we could talk about still remaining with this i mean it's going to be a fantastic game i kind of wish this could be flexed to sunday night because this is just such a a powerhouse premier matchup early in the season. But as a Bills fan, yeah. I'm happy it's not prime time because we get so few of these opportunities for gorgeous high 70s and sunny weather at the stadium. I am so so excited, so stoked for this matchup coming up on Sunday. And I want to caution Bills fans, too, that, look, I, I, I hope the Bills win this game. I have the Bills winning this game. Shocker. But if for some reason the Bills don't lose this game, this is clearly not the end of the season. It just means that you're now sitting back of the Dolphins in the AFC East, but it's a long way to go. But man, what a statement it would be if the Bills could find a way to dial up the defense to quiet, relatively speaking, Miami's offense and earn a signature statement win early in the season. How do you see this one playing out, buddy?
2: Well, I predicted coming into the season that the Bills were both going to lose against the Jets and against this Dolphins team this week at home, but then they're going to get revenge later in the season. I think that you're going to see a tight one, but you're also going to see a lot of scoring. It's going to be a well-played game, but it is going to frustrate us Bills fans in the end. I see this one coming down to the wire, but remember... The Bills have struggled against this Miami Dolphins team even in the past. It took the Bills a late field goal to beat the Skylar Thompson-led Dolphins in the playoffs. Skylar Thompson is their third stringer, okay? So I think that the Dolphins are going to end up winning this one 38-33. Sorry, man. Don't come at me.
1: I'm not going to come at you. I mean, I appreciate your, your logic and rationale you put into it. And you're right. I mean, this is the Bills have won 11 of the last 13 matchups with the Dolphins. All three of their games last year were decided by a total of eight points. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a really, really close game. I feel like the offenses are going to be putting up points of plenty. Fireworks, like I said, shootout at High Mark Stadium. I'm going with. The winning team also getting 38 points. I have Buffalo winning 38-35 on a last-second Tyler Bass field goal to send 70,000 Bills fans into delirium, walking off, getting a win, squishing the fish. It's going to be fan. Fantastic! It's going to be a great atmosphere at the stadium. And Bills fans, we want to hear from you. We've given you our thoughts on how this week Four matchup is going to play out. What do you think? What is your prediction? How do you see this game playing out? Please get involved with Jamie and myself on social media. I am at John Bacassino. He is at the Jamie D'Amico. Jamie, this is always one of my favorite pods to come down to. The rivalry is back. It's better than ever. Can't mm-hmm. wait to see what happens on Sunday. And isn't it great having Bills Dolphins games with meaning again?
2: Uh, you know that was such a big thing to me when I was a kid. I would wait all week just clamor for the Sundays when these two teams would play. It's good for the it's good for the Bills fans. It's good for the NFL and especially the AFC East when this is working out. Man, Mike McDaniel. You've done a good job despite being a a, a twerpy little nerd.
1: (laughs) He reminds me of Nick Kroll, if you know who that is. Oh my God, yes, you're right. From the league. (laughs) Just like his goofy (laughs) mannerisms and the way he's dancing around and all laid. I I don't know how the players actually respect him because he clearly never played a down of football in his life, but he knows what he's doing with his offense. They've been revolutionary so far, and it's going to be – A lot of fun at the stadium. I hope to see a lot of Bills Mafia out there on week four, Sunday's action, 1 p.m. kickoff. Please do yourself a favor, follow Jamie on Twitter, follow myself on Twitter, and get involved with our podcast. We love you, our loyal Bills Mafia Believe listeners. For my colleague, Jamie D'Amico, I am John Boccasino signing off for this week's episode of the Believe Podcast. Go Bills!